and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello and welcome to ESSR Central. Yes, we're back after a wee week's break. Sorry, I had some uni work to do. I am back as your host once again, the Michael Scott here of Central, Ross McLeod, and I'm joined by my Dwight Schritt, as always, Scott McLeod. I'm happy to be here as assistant host of Central. Assistant to the host of Central. Same thing. No, they did really not. But before we get into discussing Scott's role in the podcast, which is very, very minimal, um, we'll just let you know where you can find the podcast on social media. That's at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites for previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news. Um. We've got quite a bit of news to get through here because we've got like two weeks of stuff to talk about. So we'll not do what we usually do, which is the like the rundown of results because we'll be here for hours, the amount of stuff we've got to do. Um, quite a big story from the past week or so. Uh, WWE writer, former WWE writer, uh, Kenise Mobley uh, admitted she didn't know who Bobby Lashley was or who the WWE champion was. Um, I think this was taken a bit out of context, Scott. Um mm-hmm. When you read up on the on the actual podcast, she was she appeared on a podcast called Asian Not Asian, and discussed that she had been hired as a writer for WWE. Um, she wasn't a wrestling fan going in. I don't think that's that that's breaking news. WWE tends not to hire wrestling fans as writers. Um, she said, I don't know who the main guy is. I know his name is Bobby Ashley or Bobby Lashley. I know that he hangs about with a crew called the Hurt Business and they wear suits and they're like, we're tough. <laughs> um, th- this is a story that sort of got out of hand. There's recent, been recent developments that she wasn't fired because of the negative, like she didn't know who the WWE champion was. She was fired because she basically spoke about her employer um, and not in the, the best of terms. I don't think it's outrageous for a non-wrestling fan to not know who Bobby Lashley is. I think the whole gimmick of the Hurt Business wearing suits and we're cool, that's sort of them down to a tee. And I don't think WWE is wrong to sack her because, you know, just about every workplace has a social media clause. You know, if you go on and go, I work in a certain place here and it's a shithole and my boss is this or... I work here and I don't know anyone's name because I don't want to learn their names or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, you you would be fired. Yeah, definitely. I think well, there are certain aspects of this that really people just want instant reactions. Like, someone in WWE doesn't know much about WWE and they just latched on that. Like, the quote about not knowing Bobby Lashley's name, you know, Big Bobby Ashley, you know, cousin of Rick Ashley, which now makes me think that Bobby, as soon as fans come back, she just come out to you, never going to give you up. And... <laughs> <laughs> Which really was the song of Drew McIntyre because he just wouldn't leave poor Bobby alone the last couple of months. And so, like, like, there's a part of that interview that a lot of outlets didn't really pick up, which was her saying that she would, her plan was to watch back some of the product, like before she officially started. Because I don't think she'd officially started when she gave that interview. So that part's kind of been blamed. It. So yes, she didn't know about it going into it, but she was willing to do the work. She was willing to do the research for it, and. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with like not hiring to like 
like people who are fans of wrestling, but they're also people from a TV background, people who have an experience in a, as a writer, and which she does. And she said she really took the mm-hmm. job because of the money, because I, I don't know where she was before, but she said the money she's been paid by WWE was three times what she was making before. So, you know, you got to make a living somehow. But it is kind of a shame yeah. she's kind of been thrown under the bus. And like her, her not know, under, her lack of understanding about wrestling is really what's hurt her more because she didn't understand how kind of fans would latch on to this kind of thing. And she didn't also yeah. know the code of not speaking out about the company. And I don't think WWE's ever been shy that they don't want people, they want people who don't really know a lot about wrestling, but I think they kind of just seen their backlash and thought like, well, also the fact that we can't hire people who seem almost incompetent or don't know enough about us. And so, but she obviously didn't know that about them. Yeah. And like, it's not that they haven't done it before. Like in 2000, late 2000, they had a, a writer called Chris Kresge who'd never worked in wrestling before, but he used to introduce a style of storyboarding, like storylines, and figuring out who people's allies were, who people were doing with. And uh, people who worked with him talked about how good he was and how valued he was as a creative member, even though he came in, he was only there for a year, but had no wrestling background whatsoever. Yeah, sometimes an outside view isn't a bad thing. So you mentioned where she worked before. Um, she has credits on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Um, and she said, her exact quotes were, yeah, I've just been hired with the WWE, given the things that you know about me in my entire life and what I'm into, yes, that's surprising. Yes, it's also a surprise for me. They did not require me to know a lot about wrestling. However, I do have a background in film production and comedy writing, and they're like, perfect, come on in. Um, it dropped a few weeks before our start date. Um, our comments on Lashley, you know, we, we've mentioned, uh, a faithful selective said from reputable WWE sources, uh, she was not let go due to the negative fan backlash. She was more let go for speaking out in the job. The report then had unnamed wrestlers and staffers felt disrespected by the way Mobley discussed the wrestling business. It finally states that wrestlers with no rest- writers with no wrestling knowledge coming into the company aren't rare, but an effort is usually made early on to pick up the reco- uh, required information as you just mentioned. Uh, the storyboarding thing and changing things. Sometimes someone coming in from an outside thing is good. Sometimes, you know, they, they offer like a fresh perspective and something that maybe maybe a wrestling fan who's maybe like, you know, got a bit of tunnel vision mm-hmm. might not see. But when you're <coughs> when you're saying, I don't have a clue who any of these guys are going into a job, mm-hmm. it's it's a bit disrespectful. You know, I mean I don't we we have people that have done media that work on this podcast, I wouldn't name names in case I get them out of trouble. But there's people that work on shows all the time that they don't know anything about. You know what I mean? Like I don't imagine everyone that works on the Great British Bake Off like speaking. <laughs> I don't I don't imagine everyone that works on the Great British Sewing Bee is able to sew or knit or whatever it is. So you know Yeah, it's just it is a very weird one. Um and quite weird <laughs> You know, you would go on a podcast and maybe have a pop at your future employer is a bit weird, but as is the world. I don't think it was really a much of a pop. I think it was just her, like she was asked about it. And like, I think it was like a small part of that podcast and what it was about. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people have really listened to it outside the context of it. And 
I think some people may have an issue with it, and I can see they're coming from with. But a lot, a lot is said about the heavily scripted nature of WWE promos, and that sometimes writers are asked to write for somebody, and I don't know, like it's no guarantee she would specifically be asked to write stuff for Bobby Lashley, but clearly she was on Raw, I think maybe as one of the writers. But one of the things, how do you write a promo for somebody, which usually they're asked to write, read from like word for word for somebody you don't even know the name of. And I like wrestlers have all, in the past have been outspoken, like, why is the white of writers handing them word for word promos that they would never say? And so obviously this probably seems like an example of that. Like if she was like asking you to write this promo for Lashley and MVP, but she doesn't know Lashley's name, how is she going to write a promo that sounds authentic for, for Lashley and MVP to read? Yeah, pop is not a, a good word that I used. It. More more along the lines of um, a bit disrespectful. It was like, yeah, I'm working for that wrestling. Like, you know. I, so we'll move on to our next story. It, our stories are just sort of bullet-pointed this week. Scott's kept a, a record and just sent me the stuff, so we're just going to go through each bullet point as we're going. Um, let's talk about... Before we get into the release talent, uh, we'll talk about a comment Chris Jericho made because he does reference people that have been recently released. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's no secret that after an AEW show, they get on the mic and they take a shot at WWE. Um, another words, water wet. Um, <laughs> Eddie Kingston did it recently. He came on and was like, yo, fuck that sports entertain and, and got a, a cheer for the crowd. But, you know, he was you know, complain about AEW before he went there. So, you know, he'll see what he can just to get ahead. But Chris Jericho recently, we've all saw the Blood and Guts match. We've seen the finish, finish of the Blood and Guts match. He falls through some cardboard from the 2000 Titantron WWE set. Uh, <laughs> that's the toy, not the actual Titantron. He then lands on a mattress and it wasn't filmed particularly well. It could have been filmed better. We do not expect Chris Jericho, a man of 50-year-old, to be thrown 16 feet through a stage. You know, we're not asking that. But people did make fun of it. You know, I, was it Shotzi Blackheart, I believe, that jumped onto her bed? Mm-hmm. Aye. And a couple of people in WWE made fun about it. And he got on the mic and went, yeah, some of those WWE chicks uh, criticising my blood and guts finish. Well, we'll remember that when you're released in six months and asking for a gig. <laughs> I I like AEW. I like like I I've made my feelings on the likes of like Cody Rhodes and his America and I am the everyman um sort of gimmick. Jericho, just get over it, mate. Like it wasn't that when he was taking shots at TNA. Back in the day when he was saying, I could never be a TNA main eventer, I'm not 50-year-old. Well, you're 50-year-old now and you're working with a company <laughs> that works with TNA, mate. Um, you know, it's not that when he's taking pops at people in his books. You know, he's, t- he's taken a pop at China before. We'll get into that a bit later. Uh, you know, he's taking pops at Triple H and people in WWE and Vince McMahon. So it's a case of, if you can't give it out, don't take it back. I think this, I'm not going to dwell on this one too long, but if you can't give it out, don't dish it back. Yeah, I was really, it pissed me off to see this. I think he didn't realize it after he goes, I think it was on his Saturday night specials, either, which is basically dad figures out how to use Facebook Live. That's how you can sum up 
easier in specials. He does where he answers like questions and he just somebody probably asked him about it and he's just like sorry talking shit about it and like oh it's I used to way to talk about basically people losing their fucking jobs everything like basically and I can't believe it it does seem like nobody's really safe after the constant wave releases we had three of them in the last like couple of months so but like assuming that everybody wants to come to work for AEW is a bit fucking arrogant as well and I don't think there's a wrestler I've lost more respect for than I have with Jericho over the last year and a half. Like 2019, I hosted that Jericho show. He was one of my in my top five of all time. And then over the last year, I've just like I cannot fucking stand you, mate. I just I just I don't want to watch you. I don't, he's going to be on Dynamite doing commentary this week. I don't want to listen to it. it just makes nothing. I think it's maybe get eyes on Dynamite because they're moving back to Wednesdays for the first time in a few weeks. Because apparently on Friday and Saturdays their ratings took a dip. So they want to maybe draw eyes back in with Jericho being advertised. They're like, I would just think I want to turn off, to be honest with you. I don't want to listen to Chris Jericho for two hours and talk about that uh, Eddie Kingston thing. Like, I watched it. Je- uh, Christian's in the ring as well. Like, he puts over Christian, but then he starts talking shit about the other channel. Just watch Christian, how uncomfortable he looks. He's like, guys, I don't really want to burn any bridges. Now I can still go in the Hall of Fame at some point. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm ri- literally just uh, I'm just getting up the names of the people being released by WWE, but I've seen another news story which uh, Billy Ray um, has said about Eddie Kingston, that promo. He said, I love Eddie to death on Busted Open Radio. Uh, if we were having a promo on, I was a captain of a team and I, somebody says, you've got to pick one person to do the promo for you. I'd most likely pick Eddie because of the believability, tone, inflection and everything about him. But in this case, Eddie needs to shut the fuck up and stay in his lane. And his lane is an AEW guy speaking about AEW and flying the flag for AEW. If that's what your lane is, I'm completely on board. Tell me how great AEW is. Fly the flag for your company and show me you wear your heart on your sleeve. Uh, he's then went on to say, unlike Cody Rhodes and Jericho, who may have a bit of bitterness because they used to work for the company, Kingston really has no reason to have a shot at a company he's never worked for, which, you know, very true. Mm-hmm. Um, I just find it petty, you know what I mean? I, I find it ironic that everyone got on at, Seth Rollins in 2019 and started booing him as a face because he he basically stuck up for the place he worked. But then we're seeing this on a daily basis um, that, you know, not daily, but well, daily's place basis, um, that they're just consistently having a pop at, you know, WWE and it's just like I don't care. Like it was, it was funny to start with, you know. And an occasional we won on being the elite. Oh, look, we turn the cheap reference. Great, you know. Let's have a laugh with it. But let's not act like fucking children and move on, eh? Mm-hmm. I know it really does. Like, and when it bleeds into dynamite as well, like this was off air. But then they re- then they filmed it and like the what was maybe a post show segment, put it on their YouTube. And then they put it at the start of Dark Elevation, so clearly they wanted people to see it, or if it was just a dark time, I would find. But like, when it bleeds into the actual programme and not BTE, so it becomes an issue like, like basically having people take the piss out of your ladder match at Revolution by having a literal brass ring, uh, which looks like a ring that Sonic would chase after in one of his games. Or I'm pretty sure like John Callison in the Bucks I say went on Demi with a, a T-shirt basically took the piss out of like 
the whole rule in NXT where it didn't allow thigh slapping when people kicked over and guys did kicks or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't care. And they're going to attract some people that's fans who may haven't watched in a while. They probably don't keep up with the news and don't do podcasts like we do. So they don't probably don't know what the fuck you're on about. So just get yes. Exactly. Um, but he did mention uh, Jericho people that will be asking for jobs in a couple of weeks. Um, on Friday, June 25th, WWE released 13 wrestlers from the NXT and 205 brand. Um, Tyler Breeze and Fandango, probably amongst the highest sort of profile on that. Um, more releases were the Bollywood Boys, Killian Dane, again, Marina Shafir, Kurt Stallion, Arturo Ruras, Tony Nice, Aria Davari, Ever Rise, Austin Gray. Just seeing who else. Yeah, I think that's it. Any I've missed? Uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but yeah, I think that was about it. Tony Nice. You see your Tony's and Ari Davari as well? Yeah, so the Bollywood boys, Breezango, Ever Rise, Marina Shafir, Kurt Stallion, Arturo Ruras, um, Nice and Davari, that's 12, and Austin Gray, yeah, that's the 13. Um, I think um, I was surprised at Breeze Angle. Um, Breeze seems like Triple H's guy that he has on every show. You know, he was on NXT, but he was also on 205 Live. Those are the two shows that Triple H sort of controls. Fandango and him, you know, they, they've been in and around the, the tag scene, former tag team champions within the last year. Um, but a lot of the other ones, you know, this, this is a lot lower, not lower, but I'm trying to think, it's less high profile than, you know, when Braun Strowman get released and Alistair Black get released and all that, you know what I mean? Um, the Bollywood Boys, uh, Sunil and Samir, were a highlight of 2017's Jinder Mahal run, arguably the only highlight of that <laughs> run, um, and they had some fun things with Arthur in the 24-7 title, but they've not really done much since. Ever Rise, they were on NXT a few weeks ago, um, absolutely battered by Swerve in his new stable. Davari and Nice sort of look, set first, second round guys eliminated in the in the Cruiserweight Classic. Never really connected with fans, I don't think. Austin Gray, another two hundred five live guy, never seen much of. Marina Shafir, Roddy Strong's girlfriend, uh, sorry, wife. Um, Part of that four horsewomen stable, you know, we've started to see more and more of them be released. Uh, and Arturo Ruras had a bit of a, a run on the Raw Underground that went nowhere. So a lot of these guys, it's a shame that people have lost their job, but I don't think you'll see a great, a great loss to WWE programming, you know, Breezango were fun, but, you know, what summed it up for me was when Brian uh, Fandango tweeted out, I've had a great, um, I've had a great 14 years with WWE, and you're like, my God, he was there 14 years. Like, the Breezango stuff, the fashion films was great. Fandango and getting over at WrestleMania 29 was great, but, you know, the key word there, 29, mm-hmm. you know, that was... We've, we've just had WrestleMania 37. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that was eight years ago. You know what I mean? Like, like 
you know, a lot of these guys, you know, Tyler Breeze is a missed opportunity, but, you know, he was over his editing in 2015 NXT. He's not had the same impact since he came back. Fandango, as we said, a lot of good stuff, but a lot of garbage in there as well. Sunil and Samir, 2017 was the last time they were really relevant. Uh, Killian Dane, I find to be the weirdest one of the group. Um, he was part of Sanity. They got overlooked mad. It didn't work on the main roster. He came back. He's had a couple of big man feuds. And now he's been in this sort of odd couple tag team. They recently challenged uh, MSK for a tag team title match, uh, Killian Dane and Drake Maverick. So I think the biggest loss here will be Killian Dane because I did like the odd couple tag team. I wanted mm-hmm. to see them go all the way, be like the new team, hell no. You know, they win the, the tag titles together and then eventually when they split, you know, you could have a lot of fun with like the big heel and the small underdog baby face or the big face and the small heel who's, you know, lashing out with cheap shots and, you know, not realising that the big guy was his meal ticket. I think a lot of fun could have been had there. Mm-hmm. But, no, I think a lot of these guys, that they've had their time, they've had, they're, they're as far as they're going to go, so it's probably best that they get released now. Yeah, I think the, the shocks out of them were both Breezang, members of Breezango, because I think Fandango got released first and then later it came out the Breeze have been let go as well. And then Kelly and Dane, who came in and said that he was actually at the PC doing some extra training when he got the call, it said that he'd been released. And I think it's quite telling by some people that uh, they, a lot of people were immediately assuming that Drake Maverick was going to get let go as well without Kelly and Dane there. Because you know, it's the same... Uh, that brought that up because I think it was the best thing that uh, Drake Maverick's got a chance to do because when he got when he got re-signed, it seemed like he's been set up as the guy to take the cruiserweight title from Santos Escobar, but that never mm-hmm. came to anything. Then he had this tie team. I don't think it went as far as it could have went. I think Breeze had more still had more potential than Fandango, sadly. But it'll be interesting to see where they go. And the, the guys with two or five line and everything like. I just felt kind of sad, like, because a, a week or so ago, there was a story about Debbie wanting to more focus on the cruiserweight title and everything, and then a bunch of the 205 Live guys just get let go, two of them, <laughs> and, and August Green, Kurt Stallion, they've only been there for you. I think they were just scooped up in the mass, like, signing of, uh, evolved yeah. talent when they were able to evolve, but then suddenly they couldn't find anything for them. August Green, I think, was the best in terms of getting released because he had a match that had already been taped for that week's 205 Live. Uh, for the main event against uh, one of the new signs, Asher Hill, I think he's been called. I don't know why his name mm-hmm. was outside WWE, but he basically put, breaking news, this main, this main event has now been made, a loser leaves town match. And he went, oh, look, <laughs> I lost that one. And somebody pointed out that uh, you look on Wikipedia, there's four people registered as as, uh, as 205 Live roster members, and they're all new people that have been signed. So, well, But yet, WWE aren't, aren't letting go of 205 Live. Because apparently, much like main event, even though nobody watches it, it's on Hulu, and Hulu pays them good money to to edit. Apparently, so mm-hmm. another sad thing was uh, with Killing Dane was somebody put a photo on Twitter of all four members of Sanity and from like back in their NXT days, and basically everybody except Nikki's been is all grey because now she's the only one left. Yeah. Um. Well, you, you mentioned um, two or five live um, reports. Uh, recently that WWE is not going to cut 205 Live as a weekly TV show. 
uh, despite obviously all the re- recent releases, likes of Nice, Davari, Fandango, uh, Breeze and the Bollywood Boys and Everrise were all on that show. But as you mentioned, the uh, NXT wanted to heighten focus on the Cruiserweight division. But the show is going to continue and the reason is Hulu pays WWE for the series, much like main event. You know what I mean? So it's it, it's not going to happen. I think it, it's a money-making uh, exercise. They film it before NXT, so it doesn't cost anything. And they have, a, uh, they have crowds, you know, now crowds are coming back to the performance centre. They have crowd a crowd of people who are going to get into it and enjoy the match as opposed to a crowd of bold people after a SmackDown taping who want to just go home. Yeah. And the thing is, like you said there, it's taped. So the title is, is wrong now. It's only the title is only half accurate because it's not live <laughs> anymore. And like the thing about money and everything, like as if WWE needs to make more money when they're posting fucking record profits at the minute. Like it's pretty much the same reason they don't cut Raw back to two hours because the ad revenue they get for the third hour is just like too valuable to them. Uh, they cut it. So I'll be interested to see who they get because they've still got plenty of people at the performance centre. But I think what they said about some of these guys who have been signed up like the Evolve guys, like Stallion and Gray, were basically amongst the, the last year or so of we'll get these people so no one else can have them. And now similarly, Nick Khan's like, no, that's better. We don't have anything for these people. Use out, out. There's a lot to be said though for, like, I don't want to see people losing their jobs, but we complained that WWE had too many talent and too many too many people, you know, in the company and they were just signing people so this one can't have them or that one can't have them. Um, that's a poor way to run a business. I think Nick Cannon has went in and went, look guys, he's have signed too many people to big contracts to stop them going elsewhere or long-term contracts to stop them, you know, stop other people getting them. It isn't a good way to run a business. So, you know, Nick, apparently he is a very business-minded person. There has been reports. The recent releases, he, he, he made the calls. He made the calls and didn't care who it pissed off. He is sort of running it like a business, whereas, you know, occasionally we might have a bit of, Oh well, Vince likes him, so he's going to keep him around. Or Triple H really likes this guy; he's Triple H's guy. No, Nick Cannon's went in, and uh, Nick Can, Nick Cannon, fuck's sake, <laughs> Mariah Carey's husband has went in and decided <laughs> he doesn't give a shit who he pisses off. No, he he, he, he doesn't care. It's not not a nice thing to see. But um, two or five live, I've said before, a lot of the time with the cruiserweight division, stories will start to bubble. Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano and Daniel Bryan are three big names that have been linked with 205 Live in the past and the stories will bubble and people will complain, why is he going to 205 Live? He's too good for 205 Live. He's being pigeonholed on 205 Live. And then they don't go to 205 Live and then you ask people, do you watch 205 Live? No, there's nobody I care about on 205 Live. Look, I think if they just went, you know what, look, see the ones on Raw that aren't doing anything that we brought up for the Cruiserweight division, you're going back, we'll have a roster of 35 guys on 205 Live. Some of these will appear on NXT and main event from time to time, but this is the Cruiserweight division, like it or lump it, if we see improvement or we see value in someone, we can bring them up eventually. If it doesn't work out, they can always go back to 205 Live. You know what I mean? There was talk for a while of doing the, the tag team titles for 205 Live. 
the Cruiserweight tag. I don't think you'll see them anytime soon. There's only four people. I'm going to say you've got four people, so it'll be the same match every bloody week. And <laughs> like, it's the thing, like you rarely even have the Cruiserweight champion appearing on the show. So like this whole universe, like you've got the Cruiserweight guys appear on NXT and the Cruiserweight guys appear on 205 Live. And like, mm. Weirdly, like, I remember there was a period like the end of 2019 where they just started taking people out of the cruise. Like, remember Tony East was a Ross superstar for a while? Then they moved him yeah, back to NXT. And, so lovely. and like, and then Akira Tozawa has got moved away. Uh, Ali and Buddy Murphy, while they both had briefly had high-profile things like Ali and Retribution, and then they had the thing with Daniel Bryan and Murphy was the disciple of Seth Rollins. Really, in the grand scheme of things, then when Murphy's been released, Ali's were just a main event right now. So both of them probably would have been better off if they stayed where they were. And like if you had the Ricochet yeah. Ali feuds that are having a main event on two or five live, yeah, maybe still some people wouldn't see it, but I think you'd be more likely to watch it if you knew they were going there. Because I watched that that two or three falls match from main event the other day, and it's actually a really good match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think basically two or five live has been reduced to NXT's version of main event. <laughs> uh, but Hulu pays for the service, so it ain't going anywhere soon. Um, Arturo Ruas and Medina Shafir, who were among the names released, were originally rumoured to be part of the new Diamond Mine stable. Mm-hmm. So Malcolm Bivens' new led stable of Roderick Strong, uh, Tyler Rust. Tyler Rust, I couldn't remember his name, and Suzuki, mm-hmm. not that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> debuted on NXT. I believe they attacked uh, Kushida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was like because yeah. the main event of uh, the NXT the Europe baby was like Kushida v Kyle O'Reilly. So after that, Riley and uh, Cole brawl, and then out come the the Diamond Mind to attack uh, Kushida. Uh, I think it was surprising when people seen the image because like you know, it, like, Rust had been around NXT with Bivens, and then everybody knows who Roger Strong is. But then a Suzuki guy shows up, and I don't think he. I think it's his official debut on TV. I think he's been in the PC. So like, mm-hmm. it was a case of, oh, Roderick Strong's back. Oh, Malcolm Bivens is getting to do something. Who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, obviously, we mentioned Medina Shafir and Roddy Strong are a real-life couple. I think it could have worked. Uh, but her being... Because she is an actual MMA... Like... She, she's an MMA cage fighter. She's part of the Four Horsewomen MMA. Uh, one of Ronda Rousey's old training partners as well. Arturo Ruras has has you know martial arts and MMA background. They could have worked in that, but I think they've maybe just made the call. We're going to go with you know Roderick Strong, who's a known commodity. A uh, this new guy Suzuki, and well, we'll go with Bivens as a mouthpiece. And if he's already repping someone, you know what? We'll throw him in there as well. Um, interesting to see how that goes. The Diamond Mind. Where do you see it going? I think it can be quite interesting, you know. I think, you know, people at some point out, you know, last time we saw one of the last times we saw Roddy was uh, Cole, uh, sorry, Balor saying to him, You'll never be a leader, you'll always be a follower. And now he's leading mm-hmm. his own stable. And then Bivens actually picked up the cruiserweight title and handed it to him. So I think it's leading to a cruiserweight title run for Ro- uh, for Roddy and maybe a chance to kind of elevate these two guys by association and give them some wins. I could see it going. I wouldn't mind seeing them recruit people. Minya Shafir would have been made a sense because okay, with uh, Roddy and, you know, she would have got a featured role rather than, rather than being like the psychic to Shea Baszler she was before. And I think, I remember three or so years ago, everyone saying, oh, four horsemen v four horsemen. Like, yeah, that's a distant memory now that two 
out of the four, the MMA ones are released. <laughs> and yeah, Ruas. I remember Ruas, they tried to draft him to Raw, and then he got injured and then got moved back to NXT. Uh, and I remember the most featured thing he's done, I think he was on that Evolve special. Uh, we had the match with Anthony Henry, who's now one of the four 205 Live guys now. He's now been renamed <laughs> Asher. He's been renamed Asher Hale, which sounds like a really shit punk band. It sounds like someone asking about the weather. Asher Hale. Sounds like a low-level Pokemon trainer that Ash would go up against. <laughs> well, would you call... Um, we'll move away from the diamond mine a minute. I'd be interested to see where that goes. I'd be interested to see Roddy Strong back in the Cruiserweight division. He had the... Uh, mm-hmm. 20, he was part of the 2018 uh, Cruiserweight, uh, not Cruiserweight Classic, the Cruiserweight Tournament, mm-hmm. and Drake Maverick took over as GM. He really did add a lot there. Going to the more sort of main roster, um, and I'm going to take time to gloat because um, David Campbell has had a pop at my... I'm on uh, Saturday Night Live this week, by the way, folks, Saturday on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet uh, podcast feed. He took a pop at me for taking a chance on Edge post-WrestleMania when we did this year's draft. I picked him at two and was like, that's a silly decision, that's a silly decision. He'll only be back for SummerSlam. He's back a month early (laughs) and he's going for the Universal title against Roman Reigns. Edge is back, baby. (laughs) Edge back. He returned. He speared Roman Reigns. He battled Jimmy Uso. He appeared on a Talking Smack post a post SmackDown and demanded a title match for Money in the Bank. Deville and um, Adam Pearce both granted that, and now we're going to have Edge v Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank, um, which rolls nicely into our next story: Edge v Seth Rollins plan for SummerSlam. Question is, Scott, do you see it being for the Universal Title? I don't see it being for the Universal title, and I'll tell you for why. Uh, I did seem weird, like, Edge coming back. Uh, I think he was originally rumoured to be on the July 16th SmackDown, which is for show in front of live fans, which will be the go-home SmackDown for Money in the Bank. But they brought him back here, because I think maybe because Money in the Bank will also be in front of fans, they probably want a big match like for the title. And mm-hmm. I could even see that being the main event over both the, the ladder matches. And mm-hmm. so it makes sense. They're like generally nobody with no rumors of him being on SmackDown that night. Nobody said that. Oh, Edge is backstage at Thunderdome. So I was a genuine surprise to see him. But I think Seth on Twitter might also said he wanted a shot at the Universal Title. So I can see yeah. Edge getting cost the title because of Seth, and then that leading into the match at SummerSlam where they can bring up the fact that Edge nearly got his neck broken again by Seth when Seth wanted to bring back the authority in 2014. Uh, yes. I know a deep cut, but like WWE can remember their own history when they feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Money in the Bank heating up. Um, we'll just quickly touch on it. Roman Reigns, Paul. Uh, Roman is Paul Heyman. I. Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman taking on Edge, Rhea Ripley, and Charlotte again. Um, the men's Money in the Bank. We have Ricochet, John Morrison, Riddle, Biggie, Drew McIntyre. And either Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn, and two more to be determined. Uh, on the Raw side, sorry, on the women's side, we have Asuka, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, Carmella, and three more to be determined. Um, 
think they're basically just going to have every woman in there because they don't have many women left with the amount of releases they've just done. But um, yeah, I'd really interested to see this. We wanted Kofi Kingston versus Bobby Lashley beforehand. You know, Kofi Mania, sort of Mark II. Um, and going by the early names and the women and the men's money in the bank, Scott, do you think the winner has already qualified? Or do you think we'll see maybe a surprise? No, I think the winner's already qualified. I think I think Alexa Bliss is winning it. I think they're going to go Alexa all in on, on Alexa Bliss with this new creepy character. And I think she's going to win. Uh, I'm shocked that they didn't have Eve Marie and, uh, and Piper Nevin or Dewdrop uh, win. Because uh, that's another thing a lot of people kind of like to be viewing. You actually watch the uh, Raw when they announced her as Dewdrop. You see her going to Andrew still like, like, what's your name again? Uh, Pipe. Oh, her name's Dewdrop. And uh, Piper gives her a face like, what? And <laughs> she's kind of taking a wee jokes at, uh, at Eve Marie, like saying, oh, the team of Dewdrop and Eve Marie get the win. Like, the team... I, she did all the work and everything. So I was shocked right. that they go all in with the heat here. Like I've uh, even reset at ringside the whole match on like commentary. Uh, Piper goes into the match, wins it for Eva Marie. Then when Rhea Ripley's vulnerable, Piper beats her up and then Eva cashes in. The heat, especially with fans being back, it would have been fucking immense. But I, I, do that. I would love I would love to see Piper Nevin and uh, or do drop or whatever she's getting called. Uh, I would love to see her and Eva win the women's tag titles and have it be like a sort of a mix of Mizdow and early 2000s Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon <laughs> used to have like members of the Alliance beat people down mm-hmm. and then he would tag in like, tag me in, tag me in. And then he would try to get the pin and as soon as the competitors are kicked out, he would run like hell and tag someone back in. Mm-hmm. Or the same way, uh, same way Mizdow he was never allowed to get given the spotlight. It was only when like he blind tagged in mm-hmm. that he would get the spotlight. You know what I mean? So I think that could be quite good. But you think Alexa Bliss has won the women's match. Uh, Ricochet, Morrison, Riddle, Big E, Drew, either Owens or Zayn, and two more to be determined. Do you think from the two more to be determined, we'll see the winner? Or do you think the winner's already in that match? I think the winner's already in that match. I should say, I don't know who else will be in the women's. I think they just announced that Carmella was going to be in it and then Liv Morgan beat her in a match because she wanted to prove that she deserved to be in the match. So I think uh, Liv will get announced at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, means, I think uh, Sammy V. Kim has been announced as a last man standing match as well. Uh, this will be the, like, the blow-off to the feud uh, between those yeah. two. Uh, I think it's got to be Big E. Like, it's got to be... Biggie, I think, because there's rumours of him going a Raw in the draft, so maybe mm-hmm. MV Lashley would be interesting for you because I don't think it really matters who you put up against Roman at the minute because I don't, it doesn't look like anybody's taking that belt off him anytime soon, so I'm going to pull the trigger on Biggie moving to Raw, and I honestly, well, I think I also think who definitely shouldn't win it and I, can't, I'm, I feel bad for saying this, but don't give it to Drew. Don't. No, no, don't I wanted don't. Orton he won that last last chance thing, but then he had Riddle, which is this is actually pretty funny. The fact that Orton, for reasons that hasn't actually been explained, uh, both in KFA and real life, why he wasn't there, but Riddle with the note clearly written by him in green crayon or green pen uh, on Orton's behalf, with words like "my dude Matt Riddle." Like, I just wanted to be like, <sighs> the note you give your your teacher, I get a B, 
please excuse Randy from this battle royal as he's buggered all this shit then. Yeah, I don't think it should be Drew. I think we'll see Drew maybe get cost this match at one point by someone, and that'll set up a new feud for him. Big E, I'm not... I'm keen on him winning. I'm not keen on him taking on Lashley because if the draft's not rumoured till September, then I really... I I don't want to see Bobby Lashley go all the way to September with this title, to be honest with you. Roman Reigns, I, I want to see go the distance. I would love to see Roman Reigns go at least to WrestleMania again with this title and then lose it, and you can build a star instantly from it. But Bobby, I'm getting a bit bored with. Um, so I, I'd prefer if he just cashed in right after, you know, Biggie wins it. Bobby, you know, leathers Kofi Kingston, uh, and then he cashes in because Bobby wouldn't like, release the hurt lock or something like that on him. You know what I mean? And then moves to Raw straight away. I'd, I'd much rather that than wait to September to see it because I just, I, I'm, I think, pardon me, I think maybe it's just Raw's writing over the past couple of weeks, you know, which is apparently going to get better because there is going to be a list of special uh, sort of Raws, like there's rumour to be a King of the Ring Raw in a few weeks. But for right now, I think we need something to let proper get fans back into it and mm-hmm. fans being there isn't just going to be a reason to watch it again, you know what I mean? Yeah, because I worry about Drew winning, that like him winning Money in the Bank is going to be like a loophole that he uses to get around the fact he can't challenge Lashley after Hell in a Cell again, and then finally yeah. again, when a fancy wins it, but like, why that? I don't care. Like, it's weird that in 2018, Drew comes back to the main roster, like, yes, Drew's back, give him that push, let him beat Lesnar, and boo, Roman, go away, you're all for push. And now it's, yeah, I want to see Roman as champion forever. Drew, go away. Like, how <laughs> much things just change? And I think this is a story, I don't think it's on the notes, but I'm pretty sure I heard it a week or so ago. So I may have had him while we were, you know, essential watch at that break. But WWE wants The Rock for Survivor Series, either wrestling or not wrestling, because it's 25 years this year since his debut. And so, like, maybe if you do a segment like The Undertaker's segment of the retirement where you have Rock just come out, a promo, Roman confronts him, set up WrestleMania. Please, my penis can only get so erect. <laughs> <laughs> um, our next story, so we we mentioned Nikki Cross being in Money in the Bank. Um, she's now a super. I love in your note the notes you gave me for this. You've just put Cross is a superhero now. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else do you say? Fucking. I know a lot of people probably just took the, off the image and everything, but like, honestly, fucking Hurricane vibes here, not in a good way. I'm getting off of this. And everybody's like, oh, but it was her idea, it's her idea. Like, so that makes it good. All of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, I'll give it a chance. It's like Nikki's idea, not something they gave her. Like, it doesn't make it a good idea. You can think something's good in your head and it can still be shite. Yeah. Um, well, apparently, she's going to be known as. Uh, Nikki Ash um, this is part of a thing where WWE filed two trademarks one called Nikki Ash um, sorry they filed for Nikki Ash and Happy Corbin as if Baron Corbin didn't have enough fucking bad booking Uh, they also booked a trademark for the World Class Championship Wrestling logo Mm. Uh, 
So I think I hope they're not going to do like a droopy, a droopy dog storyline here. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, now Nikki Ashby, Asher Hale of Emerald City, to see who's the most un- the big, the best Pokemon trainer of all time. That's that's, that's one thing you could <laughs> talk about Asher Hale earlier on. Uh, I don't know what to say about this weird. Oh, I mean, oh. if they pay it off with a super with a like cinematic match of superhero Nikki going up against Spooky Alexa with all sorts of weird special effects and everything that, then I'll buy into it. But until such times as that happens, it's still shite. Uh, but happy Corbin, because well, they keep focusing on Corbin when he lost the crown, looking all sad and everything. Are they going to try and turn him face? And that's what Happy Corbin's all about. Oh, God knows. I think, especially in this day and age of mental health, I think if you're going to do like a depressed guy and call him happy, it's it's a right. It's going to be walking a tightrope, mm-hmm. or maybe it'll be like bad news, bad but he says good news all the time. <laughs> like uh, God knows. Like, like Xavier Woods gets beat up by Bobby Lashley, he just comes in. Remember, uh, up up down down. He's got X amount of subscribers. So it could be worse. <laughs> so we'll get crosses. Before we move on, it's just a, a story I've just seen there. Uh, it was posted earlier on today. Uh, Renee Paquette, formerly Renee Young, has recalled Triple H offering WWE support and help for former superstar John Moxley after they got injured working for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, this came up during a recent interview for her oral sessions. Uh, she was interviewing the formerly known team as the Iconics. Um, Cassie Lee, formerly uh, Peyton Royce, revealed that her husband, Sean Spears, was permitted backstage at WrestleMania 35 to watch her win the WWE Women's Tag Titles, despite being released from the company two months earlier. Um, the former interviewer then responded, sharing a story about how Triple H used to inquire about Moxley's welfare when she was still working there and offered WWE support if needed. Uh, she said, even when John left, there was times that Hunter pulled me aside because John was injured when he came back from New Japan. Hunter kept checking in to make sure John was okay. If he need any, needed anything, they, WWE, would have been able to help him in any kind of capacity. So it was nice to know that an olive branch was still extended and it wasn't the heat-seeking thing that everyone thinks is. We've spent so much time together and nothing bad has went down. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. You've seen John Moxley, you know, he, he's came out and said about like the rumours that AEW and WWE work together. He just goes, it's never going to happen. Get over it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, he's he's kind of been honest with things, but he's I don't recall him coming out and going, I hate you or I hate this. He's talked about his own bad experiences, which everyone has in workplaces, but the likes of Renee Young and John Moxley have sort of kept silent. And I think that's why people still like them and people are just kind of eye-rolling at the, the thing we talked about earlier with like Eddie Kingston and Cody Rhodes and Jericho all sort of taking shots. Yeah, I think, well... Given that Moxley was, you know, close with Seth and, and Roman, who were Triple H guys, I think Triple H has some respect for him. Obviously, Sean Spears was an NXT guy, so Triple yeah. H obviously gets along with him, because I don't think Moxley ever said anything negative about Triple H. It was more at Vince and the creative of during the, like, the last few months of his run that he had an issue with. And everything. Which was undeniably bad, let's just yeah. state that now. You know, like, like Moxley, Seth. Sure. Should have been a, a, a feud for the ages. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up, you know, just, oh, you fans are smelly and you smell like poop. And I'm getting I'm getting vaccinations. Little did we know 
You know, everyone would need a vaccination <laughs> about three months later. So, you know, you could say it was rubbish at the time and, you know, maybe revolutionary looking back at it, but no, it was it was undoubtedly dreadful. Him and Seth had some god-awful matches. He wasn't on WrestleMania. They did a, a crappy Shield house show special. So he had every right to sort of come out and, as you said, not have a go at the company, but have a go at his own personal booking. Yeah, because like he even said, like he specified at the start of that Jericho interview and, and whenever he could, that you know he learned a lot there and like he wouldn't have met Renee if he didn't go there and everything. So he was grateful for a lot of stuff in, in WWE. But he did inadvertently kind of kickstart this whole released go to go on Jericho's podcast kind of thing. And like he <laughs> said, like, I think he said in a Starcast interview shortly after joining AEW, he said, like, if they'd been able to write me like at least one good storyline or have one do one decent promo during that time, I would have stayed because I didn't want to leave. You know, I was getting paid a lot of money. I didn't want to walk away from all the money I was being paid and everything, mm-hmm. especially not now that, now that he was married. But he said, like, if you can't come up with one decent storyline that makes me want to stay here, then I'm gone. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's as well. It's professional pride, and I don't think anyone can really blame him there. And he has been pretty open and honest with things. Um, so, obviously, you mentioned release Go on Jericho's podcast or release to Go on Renee Young's podcast. Um Vince McMahon is apparently set to be part of a major scouting effort to replenish the main roster. So apparently he's been down at the Performance Centre. He's been looking at people he'd quite like to have on the main roster. We've recently had, and this is another story we can touch on, Carrion Cross and Bronson Reed uh, on main event and winning efforts. uh, Just sort of tryouts. Uh, to see how the main roster viewers sort of respond to them. And we, we had a discussion about this in the group chat. I like, People were saying, that, oh, well, why didn't you just push this guy that you let go? Or, you know, why don't you just watch NXT? I think the reason Vince is at the Performance Centre is we know Vince likes a blank canvas to work with. We know Vince likes to make something of his own. You know, Jericho's talked about, uh, you know, sometimes you need to work with Vince and make him think it's his own idea. Because if it's not his idea, it's not good. You know, so, and I, I mentioned someone like, a, you know, a Cargano or an Adam Cole or a, a, John, or a, a Tommaso Ciampa who's been presented a certain way. You know, there's only so much new stuff you can do with them before fans start going, it's not the Champa we knew in NXT, or Cole would never do that, or Gargano wouldn't do this. But if you go down and get a guy like Parker Bordeaux, who's rumoured to be like the next Brock Lesnar, then the sky's the limit of what you can do. You know, the only, the only sort of limitations is Vince's crazy imagination. Um, so I think that's why he prefers going to the going to the performance centre, but guys like Karrion Cross and Bronson Reed, two big, beefy guys, and we know Vince loves that beef. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't think it'll be long before we see, I think, round about the draft, you might see Karrion and Bronson Reed brought up to the main roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know a lot was made about the whole thing of uh, Cross debut on main event, but not having the same entrance. Like, he just comes out, his music just looks around. NXT Tyrion's racing just walks to the ring and everything. It's weird, especially when like you consider a few years ago, Alistair Black, one of his first main roster appearances was on main event, 
but he got the full like entrance where like, the rising up and the, the smoke yeah. and everything. Like you think in the Thunderdome, it's still be you don't even need to have Scarlet there, but you could at least make some effort there because you're not. Well, then Scarlet you get, rumored to be going to SmackDown as well. She's rumored to have a SmackDown tryout as well. So yeah, I think she had a recent like dark match. Like because uh, Cross and Breed have been doing dark matches as well. Like uh, they had one against Rudin. Ziggler respectively before their main event appearance and then recently Cross had a match with Slapjack before SmackDown and uh, Scarlett mm-hmm. apparently had a match with Shotzi uh, in a dark match. Yeah, so it's interesting there because Scarlett did do wrestling on her own in, in Impact but she hasn't really been a wrestler since signing with WWE so it's not as if she can't go but I think she's been put in this manager role but uh, I think the, the issue with Cross not having his full interest on main event is that you want to show to the, this, the main roster audience but like you're not even giving them the full carrying cross without Scarlet, without the effects. You can have a good match and everything, but it's not just that that makes him carrying cross. Uh, and uh, I, I do agree with, like, I agree with you about, uh, like, why he's watching TV, but, like, a lot of people have said about the issues with, like, getting over, but do we not listen? Is that a lot of stuff you do is for an audience of one. It's about Vince, he makes the final decision. So it's one thing, mm-hmm. like, to watch an episode of NXT, for Vince to watch an episode of NXT in isolation. And see the crowd reacts, but if he, he wants probably he probably wants to see him up close, see what he can work with in regards to these people. Mm. And like the thing with yeah. the PC, like new people probably coming for the PC go on WWE because we'll talk about a segment of the breakout tournament coming back. Uh, so you got them go on XT, but then some XT guys go up and everything. So it keeps going because they've got plenty of people they can still use them debut. You got Parker Bordeaux, you got somebody you liked when we saw that evolve of Josh Briggs was signed. Yes. Uh, and he's a he's a fucking tall lad, so I'm sure that Vince will like him when he sees him. Is that the one? He does not like you. Yeah, chances are he does not like you. Yes. Oh, his. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm interrupting, but yes, in his his ring entrance, and I I pissed myself laughing. Instead of you know from Minneapolis, Minnesota, or from wherever he's from, it's like chances are he does not like you. It just I'd never seen him before, and it caught me off guard so much. And I pissed myself laughing at it. I, and then later in the night, you know, I, I believe he attacked. Uh, awesome. Did he attack Theory? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when Theory uh, unified the Evolve and the WZN, was it that? WWN. WWN uh, titles. Oh, I, I just loved it so much. Like that, that one thing, that one wee character trait got me so invested that later in the night, when I just watched somebody, you know, who Paul Heyman had put over Unify Two Titles. I was more excited to see the guy appear behind. Oh, that, yes, yes, I want him. He's my pick for the breakout tournament. Uh, yeah, I hope I hope he's in the breakout tournament as well. But like, again, like there's plenty of people they can still use, and I think it's wait till we're going to talk about it later. But uh, uh, you had two champions appear on main event, and now suddenly one of those NXT champions doesn't have his title anymore. So uh, I think uh, one of them is going up to the main roster very soon. Yeah, did Reed lose to um... Swerve? Did it? Yeah, I, I don't know. Out of nowhere, like, because, like, Hit Row were in a thing with Everrides, and Everrides get let go, and they seem to be teasing a rematch between uh, Reed and Escobar, and then randomly uh, they had a backstage thing on NXT where Swerve comes up to him, because I think they had issues before when Swerve first started here, basically said, like, well, if you're a real champion, put the title on the line, and then Hit Row got involved, that Swerve won the belt. So uh, I guess Reed's going up very soon. 
I, yeah, well, I was wondering how Cross, because I, I think it's too soon for him to lose a title unless through screwy means. But yeah, Bronson Reed, well, I, I don't think you'll see him back on NXT. I know he'd lost because in our draft chat, um, someone at Sarah's got Bronson Reed in his team. Someone went, how do you feel about keeping Bronson Reed on the team? I thought, yeah, they were, they were rumouring, they're not going to be like another rematch between... Um, between Reed and Escobar. At least they teased it. I mean, Santos got a promo on the post-takeover post that said eventually they would meet again. But uh, apparently not. And, like, it's weird what they're doing with the Champions now because uh, it seems like, I was about to, given the segments the last two weeks, they're teasing Cross v Gargano. But, so, so it'd be a heel v heel thing. So that's not... I thought it was like... And I don't actually think Gargano, as much as I like him, and he is a, a big part of NXT... I still don't see him as the guy to take the belt off, off Cross if Cross is going to go up. Nah, no, I think think someone like Thatcher maybe. Mm, but he's too good. busy in the tag team with Champa. Um, yeah, well, break, like, that's breaking news to me that Bronson Reed lost the title. I, I hadn't watched NXT and because we weren't doing the the results. I'm like, oh, nothing will have happened. I knew the breakout tournament had been announced. You went like, you sent me notes earlier saying, we can talk about some things that happened in NXT. I thought, all right, if the breakout tournament's happening, that must be the big thing. No, oh, by the way, did I mention a title change stands? <laughs> well, that's pretty much a thing we're talking about. This is meant to be the news. Well, there you go. Um, WWE, uh, obviously, we're back on the road in July. Uh, they're going to be on the road for SmackDown, Money in the Bank, NXT. Uh, they announced all these cities they were going to. They're coming back to the UK, it seems. Um, a full-day tour, uh, September 19th in Newcastle, September 20th in London, September 21st in Cardiff, and September 22nd in Glasgow at the SSE Hydro. A Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday taping. So I imagine either Raw's going to be taped or the... The Monday show in London is going to be live WWE TV. The show, the show in uh, Glasgow has been hyped as uh, Drew's homecoming, so clearly it'll be a Raw branded show maybe, or maybe it'll be a co-branded thing, because I, mean, I don't want to sound ungrateful about WWE finally coming back, because we used to be a period where we only get them twice a year, but like, like oh, Drew's homecoming, like, oh, it'll be a Raw show. Kind of would rather watch Smack, <laughs> see it, go and see a SmackDown show. <laughs> Yeah, don't worry. Yeah. You know, I think something that nobody's really talked about here is if WWE is doing shows in the UK in front of fans, uh, you got to think that means it won't be long until NXT UK is doing tapings again in front of crowds. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's still. I'm just looking at the dates here. I'm on one of the ticket websites. All four shows are just billed as WWE Live. Um, no mention of a raw taping, as you and I know, the TV tapings. And as many people might know, you know, from the raw taping that was meant to be in Glasgow that ended up getting changed to a live event, the pricing structure for a TV and a live event are very, very different. A lot of people mm-hmm. ended up getting refunds because um, they weren't, you know, prepared to pay £80, £90 pound for, a, for a, what was going to be a house show. Mm-hmm. So... I'm interested because I'm looking at the pricing just now and it's saying London from £30. So it does look like it's going to be a live event. So I think Raw might be might do a double taping in the US that week and then come to the UK for the full dates and then head back home. Um, yeah, it's like, uh, 
like with Raw and like uh, SmackDown in the Thunderdome, they said that apparently the last proper show to happen in the Thunderdome, like live, will be the SmackDown uh, before they go back on the road. But the Raw, uh, the start uh, the week, week of Raw on July twelfth, I think it is, is going to be taped in advance. So they're taping that those two shows. So they're back to taping. I think they're wanting to do live shows again starting the sixteenth mm-hmm. of July. Like mm-hmm. they don't want to like pre-tape things anymore. Well, we mentioned WWE being back in the UK and going back on the road. AEW is also going to be back on the road and they're planning four special episodes of Dynamite in July. Uh, Road Rage from July 7th, uh, airing from Miami. Uh, QT Marshall and Cody Rhodes in a strap match and Ethan Page versus Darby Allin. Fighter Fest July 14th and July 21st in Cedar Parks and Dallas, Texas. Night two has Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose for the AEW Women's Championship. And Fight for the Fallen in North Carolina on the 28th of July. Um, do you think that'll be Cody Rhodes' homecoming? Maybe. I mean, you know, maybe we we wrestle on the show because they keep trying to work in North Carolina and these ring introduction for some reason. Yes. So does Rusty go, North Carolina? <laughs> I think maybe that's why maybe they'll have Justin Roberts open the show and said, right, welcome, citizens of North Carolina. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's actually Road Rager, I meant to say, is the, the show be a, and uh, the Darby Allen thing will be a coffin match. Just so basically, Darby can then try and shorten his career even more by probably doing a spot, a Shawn Michaels S spot probably on the, on the coffin <laughs> at some point. So yeah, there's, there's very, not as many matches announced for these episodes. Uh, but, you know, it should be good. Also, they want to make the dynamic feel special going back on the road again. And they, they said that they don't want to go back to not having fans anymore. So hopefully we're going to have full crowds for the foreseeable future. Uh, something interesting I heard from an interview with Tony Khan. He said about how these extra shows like Rampage and Elevation and everything will work. Where he says uh, Rampage will be live like some weeks, like the Friday before pay-per-view or something. But most weeks they'll probably be t- like three out of four episodes in a month will probably be taped for Rampage. And they said Dark Elevation will be shortened lengthwise. And so if you go to Dynamite, you'll get a tape a bit of uh, a few matches for Rampage and Elevation tapes and then Dynamite and uh, probably Dark. They want to move that to separate nights and different, uh, smaller venues and have those matches be taped and people who perform on there have to earn their way onto Elevation and then uh, Dynamite. So basically they're turning AW Dark into NXT. Alright. Um, it it just sounds basically like um like how WWE used to do it back in the day. Like I say back in the day, pro bit pro, pro pre COVID, um when the world was sort of normal, you know what I mean? Um Yeah, it, like they would do was it superstars before mm-hmm. Raw? and main event before SmackDown. Uh, so, yeah, I imagine... I imagine they'll eventually find a, a sort of... sort of rhythm and groove there. Um, I think the uh, the, the first the debut week of uh, Rampage is, I think, the same week as SummerSlam, the Friday before SummerSlam, and that's going to be live, and I think it's going to be in Pittsburgh, which is where Burt Baker's from, and so Burt Baker okay. is a big part of the promotion, so maybe... Like they kind of make like main event a big deal. The first episode we're having like Punk and James. I think maybe they'll put an AEW Women's Title match on the first episode of Rampage to kind of make it like a big deal. 
Um, so, before we get into our last story, which is previewing uh, NXT's Great American Bash, which is next week, and talking a wee bit about the breakout tournament, uh, WWE recently released their top 50 uh, tag team list. <clears throat> you can find the full list on WWE.com, but I'm just going to go over the top 10. Uh, and if you want to get our opinion on this, we recently released a show uh, talking about our Mount Rushmore of tag team wrestling, which you can find on our feed. Uh, I think they might have differing ones from us. Uh, sorry, WWE may have differing ones from us. But the top 10 was the British Bulldogs, the Brothers of Destructions, the New Age Outlaws, the Usos, the Legion of Doom, the Dudley Boys, Edge and Christian, the Hart Foundation, the Hardy Boys, and at number one, the New Day. Um, I think people tend to look in hindsight and talk about why, you know, the thing that was years ago was the best thing. And they always make cases for why, you know, the thing that wasn't number one should be, they, they tend to make cases for why the thing that wasn't number one should be number one. They very rarely make a case for why the thing that's number one shouldn't be number one. And I'm sorry, I think the New Day, I probably wouldn't have put them as number one, but I can't argue with the fact that they're deserving of a number one spot. I think they have been consistently entertaining. They overcame horrible gimmicks, you know, from the start when, you know, they were meant to be this sort of nation of domination ripoff. And, you know, Xavier Woods was this sort of, sort of protester with the, the big afro and the white suit and the big massive glasses to being like the choir that preaches positivity to then the really entertaining tag title run, record-breaking tag title run. Um, Kofi Mania, you know, breaking up but still being together. You know, the stuff they've done with Woods and E as a tag team or Woods and Kofi or Kofi and E. You know, I, I think they've been consistently entertaining and New Day is number one. I don't really have much complaints with. Uh, complaints with. Um, out of that top ten list, is there any you wouldn't have put there or any you think should be in the top ten? So it wouldn't be the, the top ten. I know the top five. Who are, who are six and six through to ten? Uh, so right, uh, six, Legion of Doom, seven, the Usos, eight, the Outlaws, nine, the Brothers of Destruction, and ten, the British Bulldogs. Hmm. I don't know. I think Bulldogs are a bit too high on that list. Uh, I know it wasn't, wasn't around for their period, but you know, maybe I'm biased because I watched that Dynamite Kid uh, Dark Side of the Ring recently. But the destruction, you know, personally, I, I enjoy them. But uh, I can see why some people might have an art issue with that. The other teams, I uh, don't see an issue with. I think the Usos should be in the top five. You know, I mean, there was a mm. lack, a real lack of Usos on that Mount Rushmore show, which I've taken issue with. And. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Campbell doesn't seem to take my complaint seriously. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the New Day, I think it's WWE's list, you know what I mean? I think 50 or 49 was the Bushwhackers. I wouldn't have Bushwhackers in the top fucking thousand titles and they're in the top 50. <laughs> so, I, I would have had TNA before I had the Bushwhackers and they're not in this list. You no, know, like, poor test. And, I mean, I think Breeze Angle, they did a series of episodes on WWE's in the WWE Network. Uh, like revealing the, the list and Breeze Angle were the hosts of it so I don't know what happened on that last episode if Breeze Angle were still on it now they've been released I don't think they per, I don't think the pair guys even got in the top 50 I haven't watched I haven't watched the full list uh, 
No, they're not in the top 50. Yeah, fair guys. Uh, here, present I'm, this list of I'm tag teams that you're not in. I'm just looking at some of the names. So Bushwhackers at 50. Um, the Smoking Guns, number 47. So Bart Gunn twice. But Kane's on twice. Kane and X-Pac. Um, Batista and Ric Flair are on it at 43. But I wouldn't have had them there. Um, Money Incorporated. Jericho's on the list, interestingly. Jericho and Big Show both recently left WWE. Both spoken out against the company. Uh, Jericho and Big Show as a tag team, number 35. Um, the Bludgeon Brothers uh, slash Harper and Rowan, I think they're including their entire time in WWE, number 31. Um, I mean, they won Sorry, they won uh, both NXT and SmackDown tag titles, so you know, fair enough. What were you saying? Mm. Uh, team Hell No, Kane's on it three times. Um... I mean, DX. You can make a top 10 of Kane's tag team partners in the amount of teams he's been in. <laughs> DX is on it, but it's the Shawn Michaels Triple H one. Mm. We never, like, other than the tag title run uh, before Shawn's retirement, they were never really a, like, a tag team. It was more like Shawn and Triple H and China as the lackeys. Yeah. Um, Undisputed Era, back to the top 20. Sorry, I keep interrupting you, Scott. Sorry. Or what version of Undisputed Era? It just says the Undisputed Era. Uh, 22 and 20 are the Shield and Undisputed Era, and they don't clarify who they are. I was going to say, it was just Roman and Seth, and earlier on, no, towards the end, it was Roman as a singles guy, and uh, Dean and Seth as tag champs. But uh, yeah, it was interesting. I was going to say the DX one. Uh, I think I'd put Xbox and Road Dog as a tandem uh, before I put Sean and Triple H there. You know, I think mm-hmm. I think the big thing with it, I don't think you can really complain about the ranking because it's WWE list, so it's their opinion. So you know, they can do it. One, you have your own opinion. People listening have their own opinion. New Day, I mean, eleven times I think tag team champions is a few in various combinations and everything. So fair enough. I mean, Kofi is on his own. Deserves to be amongst there because not just with a New Day, but then the amount of people he's t- been tag champs with. So fair mm-hmm. enough, and I think. You know, it's showing that you know the, in the modern day the people group can be used effectively. I think it's because they are a three men group. Because that was, I think, a boring contention when uh, they were brought up on the Mount Rushmore show. They're asking like, well, you can't have them as a three. It has to be what combination of it? But like, well, if it's a three bird rule, then you can have them as a trio because no matter what combination, they still have great matches. Yeah. Um, something else as well. When you're contesting the the legitimacy of you know, the list. The New Day have managed to become not bigger than WWE, but they're part of pop culture now outside of WWE. You know, they're in the Gears of War game. Uh, they've appeared at E3, uh, the biggest gaming conference, you know, yearly gaming conference. Uh, they appeared at... Uh, sorry, Xavier appeared uh, as a host of, like, uh, I don't know if it was like the Game of the Year show, it was some big video game award show, and he was there. You know, Big E is made friends with Wally outside of WWE, which, you know, has allowed him to be involved in, like, Wally's music. So th- they're they're doing stuff outside WWE and becoming part of pop culture at the minute. So it's, uh, and they really are sort of, They've got their finger on the pulse of everything. You know, we've seen their gear being pop culture related. We've seen it being politically related. 
you know, they've used a platform for good, and I can't really, I can't really, as I said, have a pop at them being number one because I think they're well deserving of it. Um, I'll just, I'll read the top twenty quickly. Um, Undisputed Era, uh, Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas, the first African American tag team. Uh, Toru Tanaka and Mr. Fuji, the first ever tag team champions. The Steiner Brothers, the Rock and Salt Connection, the Wild Samoans, the Rockers, the Mega Powers, Hogan and Savage, the Valiant Brothers, Demolition, uh, the British Bulldogs, the Brothers of Destruction, New Age Outlaws, Usos, Legion of Doom, Dudley Boys, Edging Christian, Heart Foundation, Hardy Boys, and New Day. So, as with every list, everyone has an opinion. But I don't really mind that the New Day are top of that list. Yeah, I don't mind either. It's interesting also to see, you know, in the top 20, you've got uh, the first ever African-American tag champion, and then you've got an African-American group that are clearly the most de- one of the most decorated tag teams of all time. So, you know, it's very sad, you know, at least there's a bit more representation in terms of tag teams in the, in the, like, the modern era. Like, and it's also uh, nice to see that The Rock is in the top 20 alongside his dad as well. Yeah, that's a nice wee, nice wee side uh, note. Um, so we'll quickly round off um, with some more NXT news. Samoa Joe revealed release, uh, revealed recently that when he was released, about an hour later, he received a phone call from Triple H asking him to come, uh, to come back to NXT, and he accepted almost immediately because he knew. He enjoyed his time there. He knew what Hunter planned for him and uh, what have you. Um, it's a bit of a weird one because Joe straight away was teasing people, you know, tweeting out about the New Japan dojo and tweeting out photos of him in TNA. And, you know, we all thought, is he going to be, you know, slammiversaries in a couple of weeks? Mm-hmm. Is he going to be there? Is he going to be there? And Joe, the VTs within an hour, Within news breaking of his release, half the people didn't even know he was released before Triple H re-signed him to NXT, and the big tease was winding us up the whole time. Mm. Um, what do you what do you make of that Triple H sort of not towing the company line and sort of going, well, if you're going to release him for this company, then I'm going to take him here. Sort of him being re-signed might might be responsible for the budget cuts at NXT. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe Nick can taking a bit of a shot at Triple H, going, "Oh, you want to resign one guy? Go fucking release their team, dickhead." <laughs> yeah, no. uh, I think I think he, he described it on a podcast. I think it was Ryan Satin. He said that uh, yeah, he basically got a call from Triple H. He was telling him to sit tight you know, within the hour of that, and basically said that they were going to work something out for him to come to NXT. And you know, I think also he was confident that you know if he didn't know what he was going to be doing, that he wasn't leaving. So it's good. Ryan said, "I would have probably." I wasn't like like raging, like they'd say like that, but he like wasn't furious about like, oh my god, like they let me go, but like, he was kind of calm about it because he knew also they like, they're not keeping around when he couldn't like wrestle. But he said if I was younger, I probably would have reacted differently. And uh, I did like in this interview, you can have you know, like give us as a bit of hope. He said uh, when asked were you ever like step in the ring again, he said yes, let's leave it at that. Uh, so you know, I don't <laughs> think that we actually would be teasing like potential matches as often as they have been. Uh, or maybe it's just us reading too much into it. I think he wasn't going to wrestle again because you know, he had the thing with Adam Coley and they've done the, they had a face off with Karen Cross when he first returned. They've done two weeks in a row, they've had him and Pete Dunn like 
just look at each other and the cameras lingered on them. So like you can't you can't do the same tease for for a match like two weeks in a row and not have plans to hopefully do something with it. But it is a case of like what the doctors say about because I don't want to be a Daniel Bryan situation where like every other doctor he goes to clears him but WWE won't. Yeah. I think as well WWE doctors what won't clear him if there is a chance that he could get injured, you know what I mean? And you know, it's putting someone's health and safety first, you know. So I, I wouldn't complain, but it, it would be nice to see him back in ring soon. Um we talked last year about how the Great American Bash uh, and Halloween Havoc sort of had sort of old timey match feels to them. So we'll get into the Great American Bash just now. Um, LA Knight versus Cameron Grimes for the million dollar title. And if Cameron Grimes loses, he's LA Knight's butler. Oh. What What a match stipulation that is. Oh, you got to have LA Knight win. You got to. Just the way, you know, this rich guy going around, you know, talking like he's the rock, billion poor Cameron Grimes and treating him like he's his virtual and everything. You gotta have like, at least at least take advantage of that for a couple of weeks of just proper like gold segments there. And, you know, just basically Cameron Grimes being treated like shit by LA Knight before he eventually, you know, gets his comeuppance. Who'd have thought the most over character in 2021 would be a knockoff Virgil. That'd be great, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> it's all train Jones is spinning in his grave. Did you see the, would you call it, the thing recently where I believe it was um, Lacey Von Eric was out and about, she bumped into Virgil, she asked him as friends, hey, let's take a photo together. And then he tried to charge her twenty dollars. So it's one egg. I thought I seen a thing that said it was Brooke Hogan. Brooke Hogan, sorry, Brooke Hogan. So I thought it was Lacey Von Eric. Sorry, recently Brooke. Ho- aye, it was Brooke Hogan. Aye, because he put, I don't care who your daddy is. You, you owe me twenty bucks for the photo. <laughs> fucking hell, he is a fucking nut job. Anyway, I've, I've, heard um, what, I've heard that's what he does. Though he does, he goes up to people and basically also take a photo of them and then charges them afterwards. Nah, get to fuck. <laughs> um, Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole. A straight-up singles match this time. A rematch from their unsanctioned match at TakeOver Stand and Deliver. Um, I'm hoping, as someone who has Adam Cole in his draft team, that this is setting up the rubber match for the sort of SummerSlam TakeOver time. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole. I'm going to go Adam Cole. What say you? Yeah, it seems like that's probably going to be where where this goes. I think they were teasing. I thought they were teasing a move to like Kelly because she or maybe Kelly going to the cruiserweight division, but it just seems to be just a one-off match now. She is and a thing with a diamond mind. So yeah, I can see that happening because you know basically it's the blow off the the end of the undisputed era. So I guess it's going to probably want to continue that. And you know. Uh, it's interesting to see where they go because you know they went from unsanctioned to straight up singles match. So you got to think if they do a match at Takeover uh, SummerSlam weekend, they got to have a, add a stipulation to it. Do you think it's all about the whole thing of replenishing the main roster? Do you think because you got to add something to make it big? They'll do some sort of loser leaves town match or whatever, and whoever loses then shows up on Raw SmackDown the following week. 
Yeah, but one fact, I'm just realising Smackdown, so Smackdown, SummerSlam is a Saturday this year. And I'm thinking over. maybe maybe TakeOver happens maybe the next week and then when the draft comes up in September, as you said, loser leaves town or even just whoever the loser is, they're done in NXT and they go up to the main roster. I think the, I think this plan is actually at the minute for the, well, I don't think it's been confirmed or anything, but rumour I heard was that they were going to still do a takeover that weekend, but just do it the other way around the pay-per-view on a Saturday, the takeover the Sunday. But considering you're wanting to go out like full cabass, almost football stadium uh, for indoor football stadium for a bloody uh, SummerSlam in Vegas, and then the Capital Wrestling Center on Sunday, not to you know, kind of look down on NXT, but it's quite a size difference, like one night. And so that's why I was curious about bloody Karen Gross fighting Johnny Gargano, because you got to think if you're going to, have uh, the big four. So if you're going to have the takeover follow the big four, when they look at the big four this year, uh, SummerSlam, they're going to probably stack it like a WrestleMania. You're going to need a big main event. And I don't think Cross versus Gargano, as in terms of star quality, really matches up to a potential like Cena versus Roman that's planned for SummerSlam. No, it does not. Um... But it'd be interesting to see how it does. I think as well, just a wee touch, we talked about people going to the main roster. I think it'd be more likely Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the good thing about Adam Cole was when he got to NXT, he was surrounded by like his lackeys, the Undisputed Era. So when he lost singles matches, it wasn't really a big deal. You know what I mean? He had losses to like the likes of Ricochet and... Alistair Black on takeovers, you know what I mean? So it was never really, he's never someone who, when he loses, it affects him, you know what I mean? He always had an excuse. So I think that sort of thing would bode well on the main roster, where the book was so 50 50. Uh, but hopefully people don't get on as soon as he loses a match. Like, oh, it's him buried now. Buried. I mean, go to the main roster, go away Raw, where Dave can finally have his dream match of Jackson Riker versus. Adam Cole. <laughs> um, NXT Tag Team Championship match. There was a number one contendership match last night on NXT. If you don't want another result, cover your ears. But Io Shirai and Zoe Stark won, and they will face the way for the tag team titles. Um, I, I I don't really know how this one's going to go. Are the way going to crumble? Are Io and Zoe going to? You know, break up. Zoe Stark's first match was against Io Shirai. She may be going to get annoyed that Shirai sort of returning and try to show her up when she got her big takeover win. You know, at the last takeover. You know, God knows, but it'll be interesting to see uh, that one, Scott. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, that's one I'm really having difficulty following because. You know, uh, the tag titles for the women's division have already flip-flopped in less than a year of them being a thing. So it, it, made se- it would make sense for this to happen. You know, change the titles, have you should I will get probably back in the title scene, but cause I don't know who else. They are a bit thin at the minute for tag teams in the women's division in NXT. I mean, hopefully that will change in the coming months, but I really don't know. Hesitantly, I'm going to go with the, the way to retain I think the way as well. I think they've changed too many times already. Um, MSK, Nash Carter and Wesley are going to go up against Champa and Thatcher for the NXT tag team titles. Uh, I had Champa and Thatcher just because the odd couple duo tends to win 
the Dusty Classic to win the Dusty Classic. Um, MSK did, they've got the titles now, but Thatcher and Champa on a bit of a roll and some of the promos, they're really coming together as a tag team. Do you see MSK losing here or do you think they'll find a way to get out of the titles and we might see a full-on Champa thatcher heel turn? I think one way or another somebody's turned here whether Champa and Thatcher win or like I think either either way MSK are winning but there's going to be a heel turn. I think either Champ and Thatcher lose, turn heel after the match, or MSK get to do a bit of a double turn or something like that, where MSK cheat to win and then get a rematch mm. like later on. So I think MSK are retained, but one way or another, there's going to be a heel turn. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, these specials are nice because you might see a title change, but at the same time, I think... I think the titles that are on the line just now are staying where they are. Um, and do you think... I think that's all the stories. Are we getting anything else to sort of dive into? Uh, not that I can really think of. I think I just sent you the list of things because a lot had happened and I was kind of keeping up with, with some stuff uh, before I knew I was going to be on Central. So I think that's everything I can think of. Yeah, I think we've got to everything. But to end on a nice note, because we've talked about intercompany feuds and people not acting professional and people unfortunately losing their jobs and let's end on a nice happy note so obviously COVID-19 impacted a lot of everyday life it affected a lot of people who planned to get married and a lot of people have pushed their weddings back a lot of people who were engaged and wanted to set a wedding date are now having trouble finding one because everyone's re- Rebooked theirs and everything's booked up now. Pardon me, but Seth Rollins did send out a photo on his Instagram the other day, which is a photo of the sun shining in the sky, and he said, It looks like a good day to brackets finally get married. So it looks like Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch have officially tied the knot. Uh, so congrats to them on commiserations to Stephen Wilson, who who fancies Becky Lynch. Commiserations to Gary Kernahan, who is a fond <laughs> a fondness for one part of Seth Rollins' anatomy that he's accidentally sent to people. Um, but congrats to the happy couple. It's a nice wee story to end Central on. And, of course, don't forget, if you want to hear all the backlisted Centrals, our feature show, which this week, as we mentioned, is the Mount Rushmore Tag Wrestling, then you can find us, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. News, reviews, previews, interviews, we've got the lot. And of course, we want to get jo- join in the conversation, easy for me to say, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We are there. Thank you very much to Dwight Schrute for joining me today and being <laughs> assistant to the host of Central. Assistant, host of Central. Same thing. No, system two of the most essential. But um, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. See you now.